Whoa, man, so much to talk about dealing with food. You better go nowhere. Coming up next on the Fork Report, cooking pizzas at home, cocktails, boozy, rosé pops, oh, and so much more. This is KFI and KOSTHD2 Los Angeles. Hey, John. Hey, Neil. Did you see the new uh, summer blockbuster movie about the hot dog? Not yet. Oh, people are saying it's a real Oscar wiener. <laughs> Teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. How to marinate the meat. Let me teach you how to eat. It's a culinary treat. Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to KFI AM 640. It is the Fort Report. Stop what you're doing and have some fun for Pete's sake. Talk about food, enjoy food, beverages, get ideas for the summer, whether you're going to be partying. Maybe it's a party of one. I'm assuming John has a lot of those. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Me, myself, and I, well, that's yeah. a party of three. Yeah. But regardless, you're welcome here. Shake off the week, all the ugliness in the news. Uh, no, I mean. I, uh, really? Amy <laughs> King, hold on a second. Let me Seriously? Let me explain. Not you. Uh-huh. The news you do is is pretty. Uh-huh. But I'm saying there's there's ugliness in the news. Come okay. on, you never feel it? Are you that callous skin now at this point in your career? Are you say are you asking if I'm jaded? Yeah. Have you no. got okay. So no. sometimes the news is ugly, right? And we come yes. here. I mean, I see you. You're like a puppy when I show up. You get really excited. You know, that's because be. I think you're gonna bring food. You get really excited. <laughs> Because you know it's going to be a good time. It is the Fork Report. I'm Neil Saavedra, your host. Happy to be here with you. I got to tell you all something fantastic that I had, and you should check this place out. It's it's uh, quite new. It's in Hollywood. It's called Friends and Family. And it's right there in Hollywood Boulevard, 5150. Hey, 5150, that means crazy in Cop Talk. We got a 5150. How would you know that? John, everybody knows that. Actually, John, there's been a couple of times where I've called you in. You really must know. Oh, okay. I almost had to <laughs> 5150 you because we were, we were afraid that you were going to harm us or yourself. I just wasn't sure. So, I, so I, you I, can't yeah. forget that, right? It's at Crazy Hollywood Boulevard, 5150 Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles. And the food is crazy good. It, re- it, it really is. Now, I was on a walk with my wife and my son this morning, so uh, we were walking out and about, and... I, I only popped in to grab some bread, but I really trust these folks for one because we've we've had them on the show. You've got uh, Chef Dan Mattern, and then you've got uh, Roxanne Roxana Julia Pat, and these folks are super super talented chefs, bakers, and they've opened this up, and you can tell just the way you walk in there and the way it's appointed, which sounds fancy, really the way it's decorated and set up is just beautiful, friendly, and welcoming. You don't need reservations. And they've got brunch and stuff, but it's really laid back because they have chef-driven ice cream. They've got chef-driven pastries. They have these little piggy grams, like uh, these homemade cookie things that are just delightful. 
But I had, and I'm going to post this picture on Instagram uh, at Fork Reporter. At Fork Reporter, follow us there, won't you? But it was the best olive loaf I've ever had. Like a loaf of bread with olives in it. And the crust was perfection. Crunchy. Had a nice uh, hard exterior that you that gives way, that crunch gives way to this wonderful, wonderful bread inside that was moist and delicious and just so flavorful with these Kalamata olives in there that has that that briny, wonderful taste to them. And it was just a thing of beauty. Uh, you know, you come across this stuff and you think, this is this is what sh- this is the experience you want. So I just I can't wait to go back there. They've got a lot of fun stuff. They do catering and picnic baskets and all kinds of stuff. Their baked good baked goods are just really off the mark there. They're just so insane. They're beyond looking at their their menu right now. Uh, olive oil fried eggs, uh, you know, breakfast stuff that they have for for the morning, but their bakery ginger scone spelt blueberry muffin, citrus muffin, chocolate morning muffin, smoked ham and cheese croissant, Sonora wheat croissant. Yeah, I know, right? Fruit almond Danish. These, oh, these were insane. My wife saw, what is that? And it's called the sticky oat donut. The what? Sticky oat donut. Tell me more. Oh, so imagine this beautiful dark brown oaty color donut that has this sticky sauce, this glaze. That All kind over it or across in, the top? No, envelops the whole thing. As a matter okay. of fact, there's like there was like a dozen of them on a plate or something, and they were all covered. I mean, it looked, uh, think of a, like a thick syrup that it just envelops all of them. And just gorgeous. Almond coffee cake, vegan spiced tea cake. All kinds of things. Uh, they've got all tons of different lattes and macchiatos, espressos, drip coffee, all kinds of stuff. Uh, iced mint, green tea, orange juice. They even have uh, kombucha there. But just and the, and let's see, they're grab and go here. They're grabbing a chicken meatballs, pizza sauce, and dough that you can grab and go. So you can bring it home make your own pizzas we're gonna be talking about pizzas shortly so this is actually a good tip so they have their uh san marzano tomatoes fresh herbs slow simmered Ooh. you can bring it home along with their pizza dough and you can make your pizzas at home that's a great deal chicken meatballs old world olive bread that's the oh that stuff is so so good Sticky toffee pudding. Let's go to lunch. I'm moving on to lunch. <laughs> Let's go to lunch. Let's go to lunch. Are they open like uh, just during the day or is it dinner and stuff too? I, they do not have a dinner, but they do do ice cream. So I'm not sure. Um, well, that can be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I know, oh, right? Coffees. Oh, my goodness. I know, right? Are you mind tasting this yes. with me? Okay, look at these sandwiches. Grilled. Uh, Grafton sandwich, fried chicken. Now, their fried chicken, I've had their fried chicken before because they had it at another restaurant that they used to uh, run, and it is spectacular. Italian cold-cut sandwich, hippie sandwich, which has green mash, avocado, cucumber, radish, sunflower sprouts, green goddess, and feta. 
roasted turkey sandwich. Oh, forget about it. And, and keep in mind, these breads are made there. Uh, and then they got great salads, vegetable soup, grilled sourdough from their deli case. Their egg salad w- looked insane. Uh, chicken salad, classic tuna salad, their fried chicken, of course. Spring roll salad, spicy corn salad. Chocolate dream cake for dessert, coconut caramel cake. Oh, these looked great, too. The caramel glazed brownies. <laughs> yeah, sign oh, me up for those. Oh, they have a cookie called the trouble cookie. <laughs> and then they these thick mint cookies looked like what you'd think, like a thin mint, but bigger and thicker. So would you say they call it a thick mint? A thick mint. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And you then know the what? Gr- oh, my God. That's the best idea because I always take a big bite of a thin mint and go, I wish there was just more to there it. There was more. They have something called the Graham Pig, which is delicious. It's about maybe an eighth-inch thick cookie shaped like a pig that is so crisp and crisp and perfectly baked. It was a thing. I just uh, I can't wait to go back there. I wanted to give you a heads up because I know they're new. Um, and they have a lovely dining area. I mean, they had a space right there in front of the, the ice cream and the service counter and what have you, but they also have a little dining area around the corner as well. Uh, so they have plenty of room, no reservations required, family and friends doing everything right. Like everything's baked there. Everything is done right. You can find out more, uh, friendsandfamilyla.com, friendsandfamilyla.com, but just. And you said they're only open for breakfast and brunch? I'm trying to look at their. Because I see they're closing here at 3 p.m. Uh, daily, so. Yeah, so it's got a, yeah, it, uh, let's see. No, 8 a.m., open today, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, okay. Is what I see here. And but, did you mention the picnic baskets? Yeah, right? So so if you're going to, like, the uh, somewhere, you know, local and you, like, the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, or absolutely. Or theater in the cemetery or just want to go to the park, stop by and they'll cook it up for you. Oh, I'll my gosh, you, it looks delish. A great recommendation, by the way, is you get these picnics, go out to Echo Park. It really is beautiful. You know, I just went there last weekend. I had some friends in town. Oh, did you go to the Lotus Festival? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's and beautiful, right? It's a, just such a pretty little area. And you can do the paddle boats mm-hmm. and the, and everything, but it's gorgeous out there. And the lotus are in bloom, and they're gorgeous. There's turtles in the water, and they're fun to watch. I know. We were totally watching the turtles. Yeah, we go by there. Uh, my wife and I go for walks there all the time with our son. But check it out. You take a, take the uh, picnic basket over there. You'll be golden. So that's my pick for you. Got to get out to friends and family there in Hollywood. Just spectacular food. And congratulations to them on their opening and just really wonderful. It is just, the Fork Port. I want to tell you, I just got a text from my best friend. She's like, um, I am so getting super hungry. We have to go there. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. You, uh, you, you're you going to love it. I mean, it's really, really wonderful. I'm going to think, I think I'm going to hit it up again on the way home. Uh, it is the Fork Port. Actually, they'll be closed. Son of a. <laughs> Son of a biscuit. It is the Fork Port. I'm Neil Savader, KFI AM 640. Let's. KFI AM 640. It is the Fork Report. All things food every single Saturday from 2 to 5. Three hours right here on KFI. I'm your well-fed host, Neil Saavedra. How do you do? 
Don't forget, Mr. Mo Kelly coming up at 6 live from Comic-Con today out in San Diego. Uh, a must-listen-to show, as always. And then you have Monique Barvez, Dark Secret Place with the Brian Suits, Coast to Coast, and tomorrow morning it starts all over again with Sunday mornings with Elizabeth Espinoza at 5. So go nowhere. I wanted to get into pizzas a little bit, uh, doing pizzas at home. It's just fantastic. Now, pizza dough can be a little tricky, but it really is nothing. It's uh, three ingredients for the most part. And depending on the type of pizza dough you're trying to make, you can master it fairly quickly. The key is to understand that humidity is going to change. This deals with baking all the way around. Humidity is going to change the way the dough responds. So I have a basic recipe that I use. However, during the summer months, I make it different than during the winter months because of the amount of moisture in the air changes the ratio of water. Strangely enough, I used to always joke about perfect pizza dough is once you get it floured and, and just before you start to work it is uh, like a baby's butt. And now that I have a seven-month-old son going on eight months, I will tell you that's the best description ever. It's like exactly that that texture, you know. Uh, it's kind of uh, slappable. I don't slap my kid, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, unless he's talking smack, but at seven months, what's he going to do? I'm joking, John. I don't touch my boy unless to kiss him and love on him and hug him and hold him and say, hey, Maxie. But that's, it, it, that's a 5150. Oh, see, someone learned a new term today. Yeah. Uh, look at you. <laughs> well, I'm going to get you a new word of the day toilet paper so you can each day you're going to learn something new. Okay. I used it right, though. You, yeah, you did. I did. Yeah. Although, technically, 5150 is what they say when somebody it might hurt themselves or others. And you're in this room with me. Oh. With the door shut. Oh. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm sorry. It's... Nerves. <laughs> All right, then. So, pizza uh, is a, a, building a dough... You have three basic types of dough that you can work with. Uh, you've got Neapolitan style, which is great. It's very simple dough. You don't want to overdo it. It doesn't have any real fat in it. And uh, crisp, uh, light, you want it thin. Really, really lovely, lovely dough. Uh, type of flour is a big deal. I like high-gluten flour. Not easy to find. So gluten is a protein in flour, and that's why you need dough. When you're kneading the dough, you're actually lining up the proteins, and that makes the dough stretchy. And that gives it that really fun tooth when you bite into it, and it, you have to kind of pull it away. So when you're looking for... AM 640 it is the Fork Court. All things food every single Saturday from 2 to 5. Three hours right here on KFI to celebrate food, the culture behind it, the people that make it, tips on making it at home, gadgetry, restaurants, all that good stuff. I'm your well-fed host, Neil Saavedra. How do you do? Thanks for hanging out. We've been telling you Pacific Wine and Food Classic coming up. You know, it's now weeks away. Weeks away. We started because everybody always goes, 
How come you didn't talk about it more? How come you didn't talk about it? Neil, how come you didn't talk about it more? Well, so I started talking about it early. So I expect to see you there. It's August 19th and 20th, Pacific Wine and Food Classic. It's going to be just beautiful. The Newport Dunes Waterfront Resort. You've got all kinds of great food, over 100 stations uh, with food and wine and booze by the beach. And you know what? Our good buddy Simon Majumdar, world-renowned, handsome, bald fella. He's going to be hosting many different events out there and demonstrations and whatnot. So it's going to be fun. We'll be broadcasting there on that Saturday. Bill Handel's going to be out there. Gary and Shannon are going to be out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. We want you to come on out. You can get your tickets at PacificWineAndFood.com. PacificWineAndFood.com. It's August 19th and 20th. It's going to be good fun. And so we've been highlighting different chefs and people that are going to be out there uh, for you to get excited about. And really for me to get excited about because they bring me food and stuff. So we have a new chef that we want to introduce you to, George Neyra. Yes, that's right. Uh, George Neyra, he is the chef de cuisine at Fig and Olive in Newport Beach. That's right there on Fashion Island. Uh, Welcome to the Fork Report. Well, thank you for having me here, Neil. My pleasure. So you're, you know, you, uh, your background obviously goes from many different places, from uh, the Ritz Prime Seafood, uh, which is also there in Newport Beach, and many different locations. Uh, when you're jumping from place to place, as chefs do, you know, you grow or you get another opportunity, do you take a little something from every place, you, something that you learned or uh, you know, part of their their whatever it is, their their structure, their ideas that you take with you to new places? I believe I do. I believe that I kind of improvise in new scenarios with previous experiences. So overall, I feel like every system that I learn, I get to implement it differently into my various next adventures. So was there a, when you were in, whether it's in culinary school or whether you're on the line working, was there ever something, uh, a technique or something that intimidated you that, you know, you, you obviously overcame, but was there ever a technique that just intimidated the heck out of you? Yeah, I would say butchering would be the first thing. It comes very morbid to me at the beginning. I didn't understand it, but as I kept learning and eventually I got to break down a whole pig, a whole lamb, and it's intricate. kind of feel like a surgeon when you're going in because you have to be really clean and precise and making sure you're not messing up the whole animal as to what protein part you're looking for. Because yeah, a mistake, you can end up cutting into a really good piece of meat and splitting it incorrectly and it ends up becoming... Uh, you know, two bad cuts rather than two great cuts. Definitely. Like everybody knows, every animal just has one part. So if you ruin that, then you're done. Like break, making a wrong cut on a leg of lamb, and before you know it, you don't have enough la- leg to brace or to grill or whatever you want to do with it. But overall, I feel like the experience has taught me to overcome that and see it as just the production, how to get it to its most... Uh, product out of it the most yeah so you're using the entirety of the animal and you get this is something there was a a story recently that came out that uh, a scary amount of people think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows because 
and and at first you laugh and you think, gosh, these kids are idiots or these people they're asking are idiots. But really, it's because we're in the United States, especially we're so separated from the food in its pure source. We usually see it after it's been produced or or handled. So I, I tip my hat to you because I think that's a learning to fabricate an animal and break down an animal and and learning all the parts of it. If you're going to cook it, I think you, out of respect for the animal, understand every bit and know it to that that degree. So that is that's a that's a cool thing. And now you probably don't have any problem with it at all. No, not at all. Now I get to teach people exactly what it is you're cutting. Like people, I ask, do you know where the salmon comes from? And they're like, from a box. I'm like, do you know how to portion the salmon? Do you know exactly structured? I'm like, did you know that tuna has four different loins? And Overall, I've always wanted to be a teacher, so I take the opportunity to teach these people exactly how to fabricate and where it comes from and the diet, because diet does actually have an impact as to taste, texture, and everything involved in it. Sure. And then you get to things like the people may not think about, like the fish cheeks. Yes. And you get into different parts of the animal. And, Definitely. you know, once you start eating those things, Things, you understand that the, the whole animal should be used, in, whether it's you're making a stock or what have you, but it, use the entirety of the animal if it's going to give its life uh, yes. for fuel, then to, to take that. And I think that's a, a noble way of dealing with, with animal uh, animals as food is to make sure that you're utilizing all of those. We come back, we'll talk more about, uh, you know, your, your philosophies and thoughts on cooking and some ideas there and also what's going on with Big and Olive, and how you guys are participating uh, in this year's Pacific Wine and Food Classic coming up on August 19th and 20th. They're at the Newport Dunes Waterfront Resort. So go nowhere. Stick around. It is the Fork Report. I'm Neil Saavedra, KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640. It is the Fork Report. All things food. Every Saturday, we've got these three hours from 2 to 5 to come together and celebrate food, hanging out, all the good stuff. I know the news can get heavy from time to time, and this gives us a, a little little space to shake it off a little bit and enjoy something that we all come together for, right? Having a good meal, good conversation. Pacific Wine and Food Classic coming up on August 19th and 20th, so weeks away. It is creeping up. It's going to be there at uh, the Newport Dunes Waterfront Resort. It's going to be gorgeous. You've got Simon Majumdar is going to be out there. He's going to be hosting all kinds of events. I'll be broadcasting live on the 19th. We'll have Gary and Shannon out there. Handel will be out there. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we want you to get your tickets. So go to PacificWineAndFood.com, PacificWineAndFood.com. You'll find out more information there. Right now we're talking... With uh, Chef George Neira, he's the chef de cuisine at Fig and Olive in Newport Beach, there on Fashion Island. And what is this lovely dish? Are, is this going to be a dish you're serving at the event? So yes, that's going to be our scallop dish served at the opening dinner for the Pacific Food and Wine. Wow, looks lovely. So what you have is a pan-seared daybolt scallop, a little uh, olive toast, and then some ratatouille that's been julienne, which is finely cut. Oh, my gosh. Some olives and tomatoes to uh, bring that brininess in and some basil for sweetness. Oh, that's lovely. So all the um, those traditional flavors yes. in the ratatouille and the vegetables, the sauce is wonderful. 
but since they're julienne, they're so thin mm -hmm. that you get all of them together in every bite. They just kind of marry together, and on that uh, toast is just great. Yes, exactly. And super playful. Yes, I like that. That's a fun way. It's a uh, a fun way to have uh, ratatouille. It's a really nice way. And and the scallop, how you just searing it off? Uh, just pan searing it, finishing it with a little butter and thyme. And yeah, really should be nice and sweet. Delicate. It smells gorgeous. Mm. Perfect. Awesome. Just great. Wow, that's lovely. And this is going to be a dish that people can yes. get that day. We will be serving that on that day. Is this something that you have at the restaurant as well? Uh, no, not at the moment. We will be running specials coming up shortly in about a week or so. And that will be one of the dishes on those specials. It's really playful. That it goes together so well. Like the crunch of the toast up against those uh, wonderful julienne and slivered of the veggies with that sauce is just uh, so, so well done. Nice. And uh, the tender golden scallop is uh, together is just, woof. Nice. That's good stuff. Thank you. Uh, as far as tips, maybe there's an idea. It doesn't have to be something earth-shattering, but something that you've learned along your path mm -hmm. uh, that could be passed on to people that like to cook at home. Organization. Being organized. Making sure you know exactly where it is, when you're going to execute it, and not sacrificing the ingredient. If you're making something like a steak at home, making sure exactly that you let it rest, timing it, that way you don't ruin the rest of the dish. But overall, it's just time management, organization, and cleanliness. That way you don't have to clean up a mess at the end. You're a clean-as-you-go type uh, chef? Yes. Kind of break down, and you're big on your mise en place. Make Always sure, am. Yeah. I have to do it. <laughs> make sure your stuff is safe. My wife does this little song whenever I'm um, doing my mise en place at home, which is just a fancy way of saying getting everything in its place. Yep. Uh, I see a lot of people doing this with baking, where they don't do their mise en place, so they don't have everything out. They don't have things measured out already, and inevitably they go, okay, now I need this, and they go to the cupboard, and they don't have it. So better to set it up, cup of this here, cup of that there, tablespoon of this here, whatever. Then you know it's all in front of you and you're ready to go and you don't have to worry about it. But my wife sits there whenever I do that prepping. She's all mise en place, mise en place, mise en place. <laughs> because it's uh, it's a good practice to get into at home, even though you know, you're know you not working on the line, but getting those things prepared. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are, are barbecuing, obviously, this time of the year. Any tips on cooking a good steak? Over the uh, grill? Well, I like to use uh, wood charcoal. The mesquite more than anything. And just nice, hot, getting it started. Nice and bright embers. And then just throwing it on top. Just salt and pepper. And just flipping it about a couple times. Not too many, sure. but not too few. Just as long as it's not burning. And yeah, that way you have a perfect steak. And letting it rest. That's the most important thing. Because you don't want to ruin that perfect steak that you babied all the way through and then i don't know where you're just going to cut it and lose all the juices and yeah. the flavor essentially i don't cut any proteins until the center reaches 120 once the center reaches 120 yes. it's relaxed enough mm -hmm. it's not going to squeeze out any more juices yes. and we're golden chef what a pleasure to meet you and this uh is really really tasty stuff looking forward to seeing you out there uh coming up in august going to be there at the newport dunes waterfront resort it's going to be gorgeous Pacific Wine and Food Classic, and you'll be able to meet Chef George out there as well. Thanks for coming in. Awesome. Thank you for having me here. It is the Fork Report. I'm Neil Savedra, KFI AM 640.
Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. I do believe Baby King is doing some sort of happy food dance thing. That's because I just got a chance to try that scallop. Good, right? Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Delicious. They're from oh, I love a perfect scallop. Big and Olive there in Newport Beach there at Fashion Island. They're going to be out at the Pacific Wine and Food Classic coming up weeks from now. We're down to weeks. So get your tickets and uh, be sure to come say hello as I, I, I will be broadcasting there. It'll be good fun. Are you going to take that day off and come out there, Amy King? What day is it? It's uh, the 19th of August. That's a good idea. I mean, I'm giving you plenty of notice. You want to come out there. I mean, you could broad, you could do the news from there if we can get it set up technologically. We may have to discuss this further. Yeah, I say, I say we do. Let's make that happen. It is the Fork Report. I'm Neil Saavedra. Uh, just so much going on. Summertime is just a great time to be cooking, being outdoors. And pizza is one of those things that are, are just wonderful. Uh, made some last night. And there's there's something about you know making a pizza in, at home that is, I don't know, it's a thrill. Maybe, maybe I live a slow life. Maybe you're different, but I think it's wonderful. We were talking a little bit about uh, recipes with different types of doughs. Basically, you have... Your Neapolitan style, you have your Sicilian style or granny style, because uh, a lot of grandmothers make it that way. And then uh, your New York style. And the Neapolitan is very simple, very, very simple. You're dealing with about four cups, 20 ounces of bread flour. Now, like I said, the different flours are going to have different levels of gluten. Gluten is good. I know everybody demonizes it, but unless you have celiacs, Gluten is good, and uh, it also gives for a great stretch of that dough. So you find bread flour, it's going to have more gluten than AP flour or all-purpose flour, which is what you probably have in your pantry right now. If you can find Italian-style double ot, double zero is great. That's just referring to the size of the milk. When it's milled down into a powder form, into flour, that's very, very fine, and it makes for great pizza dough. Four ounces of kosher salt, that's about four teaspoons. 0.3 ounces, about two teaspoons of instant yeast. Comes in packets or you can get it in a jar. 13 ounces of water. Now, I will put a little asterisk there by the 13 ounces of water. Like I said, making pizza dough in the summer is going to be different than making pizza dough during the winter. Depending on the amount of, of water in the air is going to tell you what you're going to need. So what you do is you add that slowly to it, and you want to get it so the dough is not super sticky, but it's also not dry as well. You combine the flour, the salt, the yeast, and a large bowl. You you whisk it all together. You add water slowly to incorporate into the flour, and you can use your hands or you can use, if you have a food processor, it most likely has a plastic blade that is used for dough, or you might have a dough hook if you have a KitchenAid or something like that. You can use those things as well. You cover the bowl tightly after you've mixed it all together. You want no dry flour anywhere in there. Cover the bowl tightly with plastic wrap and allow it to rise at room temperature for about 8 to 12 hours. Then you take the, the dough out, put it on a lightly floured surface, divide it into four even balls. Then you can put it into different 
four different deli containers or zipper lock freezer bags. I usually line that with a little bit of olive oil, plop that in there, and then you can let it rise in the refrigerator for at least two more days, up to four. And then and then you're going to be ready to use it. But it's fairly simple to, you know, get it up, out, and onto your grill. Now, for Neapolitan style, you, you really want, it's hard to do at home because you really want to get the deck or the place where you're going to be putting it on to cook to like 600 and above, 600, maybe 800 degrees. And you just can't do that in a normal oven. You can get it up to about 500. Maybe if you push it, you might get it to 525, something like that. If you're using a pizza steel, you'll get the pizza steel up to nearly 500 degrees, but the transfer of the heat will work really good in your very well in your favor. A pizza steel is like a pizza stone, but it's made out of quarter-inch steel, food-grade steel, and they really are terrific. I like them better than stones now. I use them more and more. But you can use stones, and you can use a stone below and a stone above, and that will radiate heat back uh, up and down in your oven as well. Uh, but you can get that cranking in there, and those pizzas will come out. Ooh, a thing of beauty. Another thing, if you want to grill pizzas on your, and I suggest not to use this with a Neapolitan style, but with a New York style crust that has a little oil in it or something, is you can actually stretch the dough, put it on a very hot grill, make sure that you oil the grill. And the way you want to oil a grill, this is the way I do it. I take a clean rag and I wrap, fold it in half and then I roll it up and then I tie it with butcher's twine and so now i have this round roll and then i put it into a tupperware with oil in this case i'm using vegetable oil or corn oil or something put that in there and then i keep a airtight lid and i keep it in the refrigerator in my backyard so that i can use it for my grill but you use just grab grab it with some tongs dip it in oil grab it with some tongs and you just brush that over your grill grate and that'll lube them up and then you take your stretched dough with nothing on it and you drop it right there onto the grill, a nice hot grill. It's going to get those grill marks on there and you're going to check it with your spatula, lift it up and make sure it's got the grill marks and that it's cooked. The moment that it's cooked enough to remove it from those uh, grill grates, you want to flip it over on the grill and then throw your toppings on very quickly now on that part that you just grilled. So you want to put your sauce down quickly. You want to put your cheese on there, all your toppings. If you're using toppings like meat or I would say even mushrooms or anything that, that uh, any vegetable that you're going to want to break down a little bit, it's not going to be on there long enough to do that. Cook those things prior. Cook your toppings prior if they need to be cooked. Then you put them on there with the cheese. Then you shut the lid and you let it cook for just a couple of moments there. It'll melt the cheese and you bring it off and it'll be great. It'll be smoky and delicious. But it, the, the timing is everything. You talk about mise en place and being ready. You have to have everything set. All of your toppings should be cooked and prepared and ready to go by the time you flip that dough over on that grill. Because you're going to have a very little time before it gets overdone. And you want everything to melt. That's the key to a good pizza is getting enough heat on the bottom to get it crisp on the bottom, enough heat on top to cook your toppings or to melt the cheese, 
but not so much that it gets overdone or it doesn't get that wonderful pillow, pillowiness that comes from the bubbles uh, from the right amount of heat and the right ratio of heat. And then it becomes a thing of beauty. Now, if you're making one pizza, I have a hot tip for you. If you're making one pizza at home, a lot of people, then you got to buy a can of olives and you buy a can of this and a jar of that and all these different things just to put the toppings on. Go to your local grocer that has a salad bar, like Gelson's or something like that, has a good salad bar, and you just buy what you need. Put some olives in there, uh, put some onions in there, some corn if you want, whatever toppings on there that you think will be fun, and they'll charge you just for the toppings like they would a salad. And then you're just you're buying enough just to make your pizza rather than buying all these different things. Great way to do a, a middle of the week pizza, just going through, running through, throwing it all into a container and going ahead and doing that. Also, if you're grilling it, last night what I did is I grilled onions, bell peppers, I grilled mushrooms. I did all this stuff prior and even seasoned them a little bit and then let them cool down, and then put them on the pizza. Coming up a little later, I've got some tips for that crust, too, how to make the bones, the outer crust, something special. So stick around as we kind of pepper, no pun intended, uh, we pepper little ideas for pizza making throughout the show today. So stick around. It is the Fork Report. I'm Neil Saavedra, KFI AM640. KFI AM640, it is the Fork Report. Everything food every single Saturday from 2 to 5, three hours right here on KFI. I'm your well-fed host, Neil Saavedra. How does you do? You know, I've been telling you that the Pacific Wine and Food Classic is coming up, and it is August 19th and 20th. It's going to be there at the Newport Dunes Waterfront Resort. So you're going to be right there by the beach. It's going to be gorgeous. Tons of great food and tons of great alcohol and course wine so you're gonna have a little bit of everything out there and i'm just perusing you got over 100 stations plenty of room to hang out and just enjoy yourself with family our friend simon majumdar is going to be out there and we had we've been introducing you to folks that are going to be out there for the past uh, month or so and we brought trisha carr on who specializes in in the beverage side of things and if you remember she came on the show and really wowed me just with her knowledge and uh, the beverage was really great and all this stuff. We just got to talking. As a matter of fact, during the break, we started chatting. I'm like, we got to shut up and talk on the air because she she's schooling me on all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I want everybody to get to school. I want everybody to hear it. So uh, you, uh, this, uh, you joined is, is Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits. Yeah. What, what, and you're the director of mixology. Yeah, that's your 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 title. This, you wanted big, to say fancy, right? You wanted yeah. to, you wanted to throw a sarcastic your big fancy, fancy title. <laughs> your, your big freaking title that you have on your business card. That if I remember, your title actually wraps around to the back. No. So director of mixology. Yeah. And you like the geek stuff, so I love that. You like all the stuff behind it and everything. I guess yeah, I do. I mean, that's at the core of it. That's how I fell in love. But um, all of it, you know, you can you can get really passionate about all of it to make it a margarita as fast as possible too especially if you're behind the bar i mean a, a vodka and soda keeps the lights on so you gotta sure. love that too yeah. <laughs> when you're running a bar which I'm, i don't run bars anymore that's not what i do with this job but it's still you know i had a heart for all of it so yeah 
Yeah, it's neat. You know, that we've gone from a time when when it was really about clearing that that twelve inch space between the bartender mm-hmm. and the patron mm-hmm. as quickly as you could to get the money. Yeah. To a time where you'll see someone mixing a drink and they might as well be whistling during it because they just I mean they're 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 turning it a certain amount of times or stirring it a, a number of times and you can tell they're counting. Yeah. I want to get the right this and that. Yeah. all to the like theatrics of it. And it's really nice to have both. There's sometimes where you want something quick and there's sometimes you want to see somebody make a, a really special drink. Absolutely. Uh, which got us started on highballs, talking yeah. about a highball or what I refer to as an alcoholic drink, uh, which is uh, somebody who says, pour some booze in a glass and then put some soda on top of it so that I taste less of the booze. And, you know, I just want to get buzzed. Yeah. But really, there's more to it than that. And you started going down the path of what a highball is. So explain that. Well, yeah. So like I said, you can get really passionate and interested in every part of it. So the highball is just a, uh, two ounces or, you know, a strong slug of some spirit. And then you top it off with some carbonated beverage. So you mentioned a Cuba Libre, which is rum, Coke. And the what makes it actually a Cuba Libre is putting a lime on it. And, you know, you can go on and on. Or the vodka soda that I just mentioned, the gin and tonic. But the highball actually gets its name from a really cool um, historical point. Um, Back when we had steam engine trains. And so, you know, the steam engine is in the back of the train. It pushes the train forward. And the engineer is in the front of the train. So um, the way that the the guy in the back, he's like the stoker or whatever. And he's he's filling up the, he's getting that, that heat, that pressure really hot. And the way he could tell that, it was hot enough to actually start moving the train. There was like a window on the the water tank with a ball floating on the top. So as the pressure builds up, the bottle the the ball starts to raise. Okay, you know the way it kind of looks when a, a coffee maker has that ball floating on the water to tell you when the water's going down. It's just sure. going up. And so the way that the guy in the back can tell the guy in the front, the engineer, that it's time to go, he had to. He didn't have a cell phone to text him. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> back in the day, he didn't tweet him. Yeah, no, he had to like holler at him basically they used whistles so the way he would let him know was with two short pulls of the whistle and one long two short one long and so a highball is actually two short pours of spirit one long pour of carbonated beverage and it and it's something that you do when you're you get gonna get ready to go it's ready we're ready to go we're gonna start the night off you can throw it down like you say it's easy to take down whether it's really refreshing because it's just soda water or it's sweet because it's coke or ginger beer or something like that and that's a highball, two short pours of spirit and a long pour of carbonated beverage, and it gets you ready to go. Wow. <laughs> so you can get you know, you can get really interested in even the alcoholic drink. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Now, before we go to a quick break, um, I will give a, a sort of crass joke. Yeah, I love it. John, don't look worried. Okay. Uh, a yes, gir- Neil. A giraffe, a gorilla, and a snake walk into a bar, and the giraffe says, all right, everybody, the highball's on me. It'll come to you. It is the fourth port. I'm Neil Savager, KFI M640. No joke. Just had a conversation with Trisha Carr, my guest, about simple syrups. That's how that's how raw it's getting up in here. Yeah. We're talking simple syrups. Yeah, one-to-one ratio. What? KFI AM640, it is the Fork Report. All things food and beverages every single Saturday from 2 to 5. Celebrate food. People that make it, we celebrate making it at home. 
getting together, you know, just the good stuff, right? All the ugliness going on in the world from time to time. We can have a little time to ourselves to relax and hang out. And we, our guest uh, right now is Trisha Carr. She is the Southern California Director of Mixology for Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. And we we just enjoyed her. She came on uh, a little over a month ago or so. So it was. I think something like that. maybe more than that, but yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And and we just really enjoyed our conversation. And I'm so glad to have her back. Uh, I reached out to the folks at Pacific Wine and Food Classic, who we've been partnering up with, to bring you you know see who's going to be out there and meet people that are going to be out there. Of course, it's coming up on August 19th and 20th. And I had called them and just said, oh love Trisha. She's just so knowledgeable. We had a really great conversation. So she's back today. We're talking cocktails. Uh, we talked a little bit about highballs and the concept. And then I asked you during a break, which is I'm doing lots of no-nos, uh, you know, because as a host, I'm not supposed to say anything during the break so that we can talk about it on the air. But I, I started talking about glassware and um, what you'd need to have in your bar. And I said, give me, you know, top five. And you said, you don't even need top five. Here's three. So why don't you give those to everybody, the three glasses that you think are important for a home bar? Yeah, great. So we we want to have the um, double old-fashioned or low ball. Yeah, those terms are kind of used interchangeably. The key there is you want that, so that's your short glass, and you want that to be no more than 12 ounces. If you want to get yourself a really big one, then just know that you're going to be serving yourself a double in that. But for serving... Several guests, you want to be re- you want to be responsible in what you how much you're giving them. If you give them a really big glass and you've filled that with the you know like a double amount of, of a cocktail, they're, they're not thinking gonna, I'm having one glass. Yeah, that's what they're exactly. Yeah. So you know, but and, and also just for how much work you're going to do. If someone's throwing down a double and they think they're having a single, they're going to be you're you're going to be working your tail off the whole party. You're not going to be able to have any fun because you're going to be churning out those cocktails. So twelve ounces maximum on that. In order to get that standard size cocktail in and there. They're a stout glass, wide mouth, and one of the things that sets them apart would be the heavy base because you're muddling uh, sometimes. So you get like a heavy base on there quite often. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that's right. Those thin based ones, those, I mean, I'll just, you, those are pretty and that's fine for home residential use, but we don't use those in commercial operations because they're not sturdy enough, yeah, to handle the. You know, and if you're going to be having a, a fun party like I, I know Neil has, then you're going to oh, need yeah. something sturdy. You're going to need some sturdy. With all my simple syrups, <laughs> all my tricks that I'm learning, I'm going to have like 13, 14 different simple syrups at home. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so uh, uh, a low ball or uh, a double old-fashioned right. glass. And it's called a double old-fashioned because then the, the single old-fashioned would be good for doing spirits on the rocks or just neat spirits, you know. So it's about, those are usually about six to eight ounces. And they're they're usually the same size opening, but a little a little shorter. No, they're they're. Do they are are they short all, all the way around? They're smaller all the way around because if it was is wide, then it would be really weird looking. Yeah, no, it, it's it's proportionally smaller. Basically, it goes down. You are know? you saying I'm weird looking because I'm a little wider? <laughs> wow, you bring somebody back and they get real comfortable. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. And then the okay, next so, one. Then yeah. And then we have our Collins glass, um, also called a highball, as we were just talking about. Same deal there. You want it to be no no more than twelve ounces. You don't want to use a pint glass for your cocktails that are served in tall, um, you know, proportions because again, you're going to be over serving either the booze or the juice or the mixer, and neither one's going to be a really sustainable party. <laughs> and then the finally, you want a cocktail glass, aka 
people call those a martini glass, but not all cocktails are martinis that go in that glass. Sure. And I, that's me being a nerd. It's co- it's okay. I'm not going to hit you over the head if yeah. you call it a martini you, glass. You go, <laughs> go to parties. Well, somebody's putting the wrong drink in the wrong glass. In my classes, and I don't want to get too technical, but you would put that, that coupe would be set aside for this glass and this glass alone. Exactly. Yeah. That's well, not fun. That's not sustainable for a party either. No. <laughs> no, not if you want to have friends. Yeah, but that's actually classically called a cocktail glass when something is poured up, you know, into a stemmed glass without the rocks. Um, yes, martinis go in the cocktail glass. So the, and the, the really popular style of that is we've, we've hearkened back to the coupe style and it's very, it's really sexy and yeah, and elegant and it, mm-hmm. it just, it's just very playful. And you say up because of the fact that it's on a stem, right? So it's, I, yeah, I guess that's why we called it. We, they, mm. they called it putting it up. Yeah. That's hmm. how it originally, yeah, it was that, that term when you strain it out from the ice and you put it up on a stem, they called it putting it up. Yeah. And there are some drinks that are, would be interchangeable that you could put into, you could serve up or you could put into uh, an old fashioned. Yeah. Pretty glass, much so, anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mean to put it on the rocks or put it up? Yeah. I would say there are very few drinks that wouldn't, it's just up, it's just to your taste, wouldn't be flexible to that. And by the way, if you put it in an old fashioned glass, but you strain it without the rocks, we call that putting it down. Really? Yeah, without the rocks. Otherwise, we put it, you know, it's on the rocks. Yeah. Hmm. I thought you'd like that. I put John down sometimes. <laughs> no ice. Wish he'd put me up every now and again. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Don't say Is anything. there one for like, it's lit or? Yeah, <laughs> it's lit. Uh, okay, great. So uh, hang out and then you're going to pour something, right? I think I shall. Okay, so stick around Stick around for one more segment. We're talking with Trisha Carr, talking booze and cocktails, uh, and I want to get some of your thoughts on, on great summer cocktails or things that you think are really fun or and or simple for uh, the summertime. All right, it is the Fork Report. I'm Neil Savedra, KFI AM640. I took it home, took it home, took it home. Ooh. I don't eat no ham in it, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is the Fork Report. Man, this is the time for us to get together, talk about things we can all relate to, right? Coming together, breaking bread, hanging out, having a good time. Summertime, it's beautiful outside. Time for a good drink. No, seriously, it's time for a good drink. Seriously, John, let's have a drink. He's just smiling and nodding. We've got Trisha Carr here. She was with us uh, a month or so ago, and we were just delighted with her. Super smart and uh, playful and has such insight when it comes to booze that, uh, I, I, <laughs> you know, guys guys are such tools that I can only imagine someone, uh, some guy scooting up next to you in a bar and wanting to impress you with his knowledge about cocktails, especially nowadays, and you just shutting him down. <laughs> It kind of happened at a party like a few weeks ago, and and he'd had and I had brought like it was, so it was like a tequila party. Everybody, our, my friend was like, everybody's drinking tequila. I was like, what can I bring? You know, and I I did. I brought I brought a nice bottle of tequila. I brought a medium nice bottle of tequila so that you know they could just chug it if they wanted to. And it was what I had, and uh, that was unopened. And then I also brought a really nice bottle of mezcal. And so yeah, this guy like came up and he was like, 
oh, you know, like looking at the bottle, like, oh, yeah, oh, this is acceptable. And did you know that the rest of Spado is, which Reposado, yeah. Yeah, is, is also, like, they put it in, 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 in um, like, um, pine. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, let me explain that to you a little bit. Oh, sit, girl, sit down, honey. Let me explain. Also, he was, he'd had a little, he'd had a lot of the tequila, so he wasn't being very articulate <laughs> with stuff he knew about. But it, no, it was fine. I, I, I'm very nice. And I just like, yeah, that's really good. You pretty much know a lot. Did wow. you know what I do for a living? Yeah, you're super <laughs> smart, Bella. You actually do pretty good guy voice. Like that's, that's know-it-all guy voice. That tone there is like exactly what guys. Drunk, yeah. drunk know-it-all guy voice. Yeah, well. Many years behind the bar. We're, we're, we're not perfect, but we're fun to have around and we can reach things off the high shelf if necessary and open jars. <laughs> That's what I always tell my wife. If I'm, if I wasn't here, you'd never have an olive. You'd never be able to get it out of that jar. Uh, Trisha Carr uh, is, of course, the Southern California director of mixology for Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits, and we're happy to have her back. You're going to be pouring a drink. Why don't you Maybe pour do away? It? Okay. Please. All right. Well, I am making a drink that I think that is going to be the perfect marriage for summertime and Neil Saavedra because it is with whiskey maker's oh. mark bourbon whiskey and, and what do you like about maker's mark because I enjoy maker's mark as well yeah well I have been to maker's mark and that yeah John and I were talking about it John loves it too um I've been to maker's mark I've been to a lot of distilleries and they they had that operation is beyond for real I mean the craft is so deep and um, it's really beautiful. So what people and why it's so popular is because it's called a weeded bourbon is what we kind of call it. It's like a subcategory style of bourbons. Bourbon is made of mostly corn. The the um, How it's fermented and then distilled, they use corn. But then there is a balance that is not, it's not 100% corn. It's usually about 80% corn. So the rest of it is barley, which is really just a, a kind of a, an enzymic uh, reaction. It's just a catalyst. It's not really for flavor. But then they use also rye and wheat. And if they kind of have that rye and wheat component in balance, then that's just more of a traditional recipe. But if they have a higher balance of rye, then we call that a high rye recipe. They have more wheat. We call it a weeded recipe. Now, let me make, let help you to make some sense of all of that. Just think that about poor, I just keep thinking of that poor bastard that screwed uh, it up. <laughs> I was way nicer. I wasn't. I wasn't so nerdy. No, no. I'm going to simplify that for you. Just think of bread. What does wheat bread taste like? What does cornbread taste sure. like? What does rye bread taste like? The way we experience the grain in whiskey is exactly the way we experience the grain in bread. So, the weeded corn base of this whiskey. So we've got cornbread, which is kind of sweet and rich and robust. But you throw wheat into it, and wheat bread is kind of like light, earthy, maybe a, maybe a little. It's soft, a little spicy. It's, you know, you want to put some butter on it. You want to put some jam on it, and um, and then if but if it were rye bread, then that's spicy and dry, right? So that's what we're experiencing here is a cornbread with a little bit of a wheat bread kind of experience as well. Well put. So we, I mean, wheat bread. We love wheat bread's probably the most popular bread that we use, right? Well, especially in, in when we're trying to be healthy and everything. Yeah, since uh, since the late seventies, yeah. I think it overtook white bread. Yeah. Yeah. So we love the cornbread component. We love that richness, but then we it really makes it very flexible and very friendly, and um, it kind of smooths out that corn too. It makes it I don't know, it just makes it a good companion. Excellent. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix your drink now. Please do. I have to get the ice. More beautiful words have never been spoken. I'm going to mix your drink now. 
<laughs> Excellent. No, I love I love that stuff, and I think it's a beautiful analogy to break down. Hey, you listen, you know these things already. You've yeah. had cornbread, you've had wheat bread, you've had a rye bread. Now think of them in the context of, of building the flavors here. Do you always carry an ice bucket with you everywhere you go? No, you know what? I was just remembering. I was like actually a party in a box. Right? I was <laughs> I was judging a cocktail contest not too long ago, and that's a job. Can you believe that? How would you like that? Yeah. Oh, you're going to be doing something similar to that at the Pacific. I think so, and yeah. I think Gary and Shannon are going to be doing it as well. So, oh yeah, it'll yeah. be fun, and I'm emceeing it, so mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a sec. But I was judging a cocktail contest. And one of the, right before it started, one of the competitors was running around going crazy, like, I forgot my nutmeg. I forgot my nutmeg. And I said, oh, I have nutmeg in my car. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Most people, like, I, I've got, like, a Heinz ketchup packet <laughs> no, or don't something. Know. I don't know. It was literally whole nutmeg, whole, whole nutmegs, not, like, the dash even. It was in the console of my car. <laughs> hey, there was a time where people not only carried whole nutmeg on them, but had the little scraper. Uh, yeah, 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 well, I have that in my bar kit, of course. He had that. He just forgot his actual whole nutmeg. And um, even that guy, he was like, did you just say you have nutmeg in your car? And this is like a kid that's competing at cocktail contest. I out-geeked him. So I'm going to shake your cocktail now. Please do. Second second best words. Or is that? Yeah. That's better than I'm going to say. It's closer to coming. <laughs> well, I should tell you what it is, if you can still hear me. Yes. Um, it is a margarita. Made with bourbon whiskey, and it has uh, mango thrown into it. So, some real summertime flavors. Holy cow! Let me taste oh. that thing because we are right up against the clock. <laughs> Get it in my mouth. Okay, you got it. Get in my belly. So, um, I'm just doing a little garnish here. Um, just some orange for aroma, a little aromatherapy with the orange to pull out the Combier Royale, which is an orange liqueur made with cognac and some spices. Oh my god! What's that? Yeah. Sorry, I made it a little full. Yeah. Did you not apologize for that, right? I'll, t- I'll take it off the top here. And then the the garnish there, that's a mango dipped in some chili powder and sea oh, salt. Oh, good. Look. Night, Irene. I actually Wow. Taste it. Okay, we have to go. That was delicious. Trisha Carr, always great to see you. You bring booze. We love you. Nice to see you. It's just not fair, Neil. That's all. It's just not fair. <laughs> She'll be out at Pacific Wine and Food Classic on August 19th and 20th. Coming out, one more reason to be there. KFI Los Angeles. Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. How to marinate the meat. Let me teach you how to eat. It's a cold. KFI 840. It is the fourth report. Everything food every single Saturday from 2 to 5 right here on KFI. Trisha Carr made me a double of that. And it is one of those drinks that you can't stop drinking. That is dangerous. I need garlic and a crucifix now. I'm your well-fed host, Neil Saavedra. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Trisha is, uh, Trisha Carr is great. She is the Southern California Director of Mixology for Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits. And I believe she's going to be out at the Pacific Wine and Food Classic August 19th and 20th. Although I'm hearing that there might be a change in how things will be scheduled. So we'll keep you up on all of that. But uh, needless to say, it's going to be good fun had by all. Hey, John, uh, is the show getting in your way, buddy? My producer, John, is actually standing in the doorway, finishing off the drink and staring at me. Is there something you'd like to say to the class? Careful. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's really... 
That's not mine, right? That's are you? You're just doing it so we can get the glasses back to Trisha. Yeah, you're a gentleman. You're a real gentleman. You're you're really taking one for the team there, pal. I appreciate you. It gets you a little buzzy, huh? Oh no, we've lost John. You're 21, aren't you? Yeah, she's going to be on with Gary and Shannon, I believe, soon enough, so we can get those cleaned off to her. Thank you, Trisha. John's like, I'm a nobleman. I have to finish it to get out of the glass. <laughs> you nut. Okay, so uh, Trisha always brings in such such uh, great drinks, and she is so knowledgeable. That scenario, you know how guys are, Amy. We're always trying to impress you ladies. And the thought of, of some guy, you know, coming up to a bar and trying to impress Trisha about booze just delights me to no end. Because <laughs> she's quite lovely and she's very sweet. I mean, I'm sure she's not busting his chops. But the thought of, of him, uh, you know, going, so you know what this is? And she goes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. More than you. There's no one amp. One upping that one. Yeah, that is uh, really, really crazy. Really, really crazy. I love it because she's like really excited about it. She's like, oh, you got to try this. You know, I mean, like it's fun to, to hear that. It's sort of contagious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yum, yum. Get me some. Okay, pizza. Back to pizza. So I, I was telling you a couple of tips when making pizza at home. Now, Dough is not difficult to make, and there are some doughs that you can make quickly and and cook same day. They don't need to, you know, rise that much. But one of the things that I was telling you was that, you know, when you're making just one pizza or two pizzas and you've, you know, you want to put a lot, a lot of toppings on there, but you don't want to buy a bunch of everything, is especially for the veggies, just go to your, your local salad bar there at your local grocer. And you can get, you know, the olives and what have you right there. And you pay for it just like you would a salad. But you're going to come home and you're going to put them on top of a pizza. I'm a big fan of sometimes grilling up or sauteing some of the toppings just to give them a little extra flavor. There's nothing better. Oh, you caramelize your onions before you put them on there? Oh, yeah. Now you're talking. But another thing is is finishing off the crust. Now, different people like to do this differently. But the method that I like to use... And I just changed it recently because of Revel seasonings. Remember Revel, not Rebel, but Revel with a V as in Victor. Seasonings was on there. Local uh, local fella uh, creating the seasoning combination out of Fullerton brought it in. And I really, I really think it's lovely. I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I'm using it on all kinds of things. Well, I mix a little bit of that with olive oil and some garlic powder and just a little bit of garlic salt. And I use that to brush on the crust. So I, I bake the pizza in my pizza oven. And as I'm pulling it out, I like, I, I didn't need to say my pizza oven, but I say my pizza oven because I'm 47 years old going on 48 and it took me all these years to get one. So I like to say it. It's the same as saying my wife. It took me all these years to get a wife too. So you... You gotta, so you appreciate it more than others. Is that what you're saying? I No, I'm just saying that it's like... Oh, I think that's a good thing to say when you're refer referring to your wife. Well, of course I do. But yeah, I'm saying okay. that, that when you, you it's taken you so long to get these things right, you, you'd like to say it. So I like to say pizza oven because I've wanted one for so long and finally have one. 
But I take it out of the pizza oven, my pizza oven, standing next to my wife and my Very child. Very good. Very good, Neil. <laughs> uh, my lovely wife and my lovely child. And I pull it out. And then while it's still warm, I brush on this combination. And like I said, for me, the combination is uh, really good olive oil and a little bit of garlic salt, a little bit of garlic powder. And then now the Rebel seasoning, put a little bit of that in there, stir it up, and then brush it onto the crust and let it kind of absorb into the crust before I cut it. And it just gives the bones a little something extra and a tiny, just a tiny bit of sweetness from the Rebel seasoning. Again, Revel with a V, not with a B. And it is quite delicious. And I suggest you to do that when you're cooking. Now, you can buy great doughs. If you don't have time to make a dough at home, you can get great doughs at Trader Joe's. They have pre-made dough. Vaughn's usually has it in a section where they have uh, pizzas, not the frozen section, but a refrigerator section. Uh, In the frozen section of places like Gelson's, you can find uh, frozen dough. You just let it thaw out. It's very good as well. I was talking about friends and family on Hollywood Boulevard. Friends and family sell dough there. Some pizza places will sell you their dough. So if it's a uh, you know during the week and you don't have time to make some, you can buy really good dough as well, and make and just kick it up a notch by adding your sauce. Making I'm going to make some homemade sauce tonight. As a matter of fact, I'm a big fan of the sauce that they use at Round Table. It's, it's a little spicier and I think a little bit more robust and a, has a little bit more depth than a lot of people, less watery, more pasty than a lot of the sauces I have on pizza. But I don't have a round table near me, close. So, and my wife and I both like it. So I'm going to make my version of it tonight. And you can do that at home and you can freeze it very simple, uh, simply and bring it out when you need it. But pizzas are just a great thing to to cook at home. They just are really there's something about the smell of the bread and all of that, uh, the toppings and whatnot, just great. But try cooking your toppings a little bit, sautéing them, uh, even cooking them over the grill, and then chopping them up or putting a little bit of flavor and seasoning on them prior to them going on the pizza. And you'd be surprised how it adds depth to your pizza. It is the Fork Report. I'm Neil Savedra, KFI AM six forty. KFI AM 640. Wow, we booked this one perfectly. Back-to-back booze. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is the Fork Report, all things food and beverage. Every single Saturday from 2 to 5, three hours right here on KFI. I'm your well-fed host, Neil Saavedra. Thanks for hanging out. I know you hear a lot of garbage in the news all week long. Well, Saturdays is a time for us to come together and relax and talk about things that we agree upon, which is good food and good conversation and good friends and family. You know, there's an event, and this event sells out so quickly that by the time we get to chat with anybody for the event, it's usually sold out. And I think it is, actually. But something to put on your calendars for for next year, Ultimed, who, who do great work 
uh, Ultimate East LA, just their East LA meets Napa and uh, their food and wine festival every year. And this year it is uh, on Friday the 28th, which for those of you playing the home game happens to be my birthday. Yes, I know. Go ahead, run to your, <laughs> run to your calendar and mark down next Friday. How about that? Uh, but uh, it looks like it's sold out. I'm checking out the website here. It's It looks like it might be sold out already, which is often happens. It sells out very quickly. I've been uh, a handful of times and always have a really terrific time there. But uh, we wanted to tell you a little bit about that and have Robert Reyes on. Now, Robert is... Uh, it, you had this this vision of having a small vineyard producing a small amount of wine. That is that is correct. And been... now you sit before me, this handsome man with wine. Is this your wine? This is our wine. Look and... at you. Your dream came true. That's right. Living the dream. That is so I mean, really how many people do you hear? I mean, that's got to be up. That's that's more than you know, wanting a boat. You know, this is this is it's, it's having right a winery. That. That's like <clears> the <throat> ultimate. Hey, I'm going to live life on my terms. That's right. Uh, speaking of boats, I know that uh, people who own boats they say a boat is a hole in the water where you put money. Yeah, it's, well, a winery is kind of the same <laughs> thing. Sometimes you just put it into the land. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but I love the wine. I love making it. I I love everything about it. It's a passion. And you, it would have to be passionate about it because the nuances of wine are what separate each bottle, each glass, each experience. And really understanding that and building those things are, it's not just a beverage. It's something you know someone's going to open up on a date or an anniversary or at a wedding. There's going to be some story behind it and you want to be a part of that story. That's right. And there's something to be said about every wine, every varietal, every year every vintage and there's always that wine experience that um, comes with every bottle you know you know i remember growing up as a kid watching the game shows you know and that you know what's behind curtain number one or door number two or whatever it was and you really didn't know what was going on until it happened right and i would imagine that each time you know you know that your your varieties of grapes you have the the cab the merlot the syrah the chardonnay whatever the grapes that you have but still, each year we've had more rain or less rain. You have all these different things. You don't know until you taste that first bottle that, as to that what that year produced. That, that is correct. That is correct. At least it is for us. I know some of the larger wineries may homogenize their wine sure. so that it tastes the same every time. They have to but if they're it, a brand or something <clears throat> like that. But because we are a small operation, then we basically produce what nature gives us that year. And so each year has its own nuances and its own flavors and it's that's unique exciting. Flavor. That's a really that's a really neat way to go about it. Uh, we, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Robert Reyes. I want to talk about the very rudimentary primer on how wine is made Absolutely. and the process that you go through. And we'll talk about the wines that you brought here, and we'll taste them as well. Go know where it is. The Fork Report. I'm Neil Saavedra, KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is the Fork Report. All things food every single Saturday from 2 to 5. 
We're chatting with Reyes, uh, Robert Reyes from Reyes Winery. How long did it take you to come up with a name for your winery? <laughs> Not very long. <laughs> no, at all. you just said. Uh, <laughs> what do you think it should be? Did you did you come up with that name while you were drinking? Probably. Now, is all joking aside, it's got to be pretty darn cool to see your name on a bottle Ab- of wine. Absolutely, it is. I mean, that is that is. Uh, uh, I, I'm thrilled when people we get this one life. And I'm thrilled when people really focus on what's going to bring them joy and what will bring that joy to others and just do it. So here you're sitting across from me. You've got these lovely bottles of wine. You wanted to have this small vineyard. You have, it's 16 acres? 16 acres. Wow. And whereabouts is it? This is right here in Los Angeles County in Santa Clarita. Oh, wow. In the small town of Agua Dulce. Yeah, so it's about area. 45 minutes from downtown Los Angeles. Very accessible. Wow, how lovely. Especially on weekends. We're open on weekends for wine tasting, so it's really easy to get there. And people can come up, um, visit, and you walk them through the process and all of that, and then let yes. them taste? Correct. Yes, we're open from 11 to 5, and people can come up. No appointments needed, and the tasting room is open every weekend. There's something special. I've, I've had, you know, I've had the pleasure of doing wine tasting in different parts of the world and all kinds of uh, wonderful experiences that I'm, I'm thankful for every day. But that, that tasting wine one after the other and having somebody knowledgeable explaining, you know, you know, what are you tasting and why and all these is, is a really fun process. It's I know it sounds a little experience. pretentious at first. It's like, but it's not, it's, it's not, it's quite delightful. And, yes. and, so uh, you have uh, five popular grape varieties. Walk the, us through those. Yes, we have 15 acres planted. We have five acres of Cabernet Sauvignon. We have four acres of Merlot, three acres of Syrah, two acres of Chardonnay, and one acre of Muscat. And uh, I know I know the the least about the latter, the last there. Explain that. Uh, Muscat is a popular wine. It's usually uh, a little bit on the sweet side, and uh, but it's a very, very popular summer wine. Very nice. And you find that certain wines uh, do have, as as well as they're paired specifically with a with a meal, uh, that there are some that are seasonal that are better at certain times of the year. Or, well, not particularly. But uh, I heard you talking about uh, making pizza today. Oh yeah. Well, I brought a rosé, which is. Uh, a blend, and uh, it's a summer wine. <clears throat> it goes really well with pizza. It's well, please crisp. pour, pour. Sure, absolutely. Let me pour you some. Yeah, and it's all oh, uh, right. Lovely. It looks it's quite a crisp delicate. wine, and rosé wines are coming into their own back again. Thank you. They were popular. Yeah, you know there was a story about uh, rosé popsicles. Yes. Like people freezing them. Yes, yes. Because, and, and rosé was one of those, um, uh, one of those wines that tend to, it went out of favor a little bit or was right. thought as maybe a lightweight, like a, you know, didn't, wasn't robust enough. Right. And, and then now they, it's. And then they sweeten them. This is not a sweet wine by any means. But people have gotten used to the rosés that are on the sweet side. This is not. Wow. Like that, it's lovely. fruity, it's crispy, yeah. it's lovely for 
and it's dry enough to hang on the edge of the Absolutely. tongue a little bit and get, yes. you know, it's uh some citrus and yeah. apple and Yeah, that is very nice. That, I could see that going very well with pizza. There you go. Did you bring a pizza? No, but I well, I left you but I but I've got a bottle for you. Great. Well, <laughs> that'll have to do, I guess. Oh, well. The rough life. No, that is really lovely. Good. Now, do you like it? Uh do you have a it's kind of hard, but do you have a a favorite of your own or do you have to I mean, do you want the uh, John to remove the bottles so you don't say it in front of your kids? I mean, how do you I mean, do you have to say that you love all of your wines the same or is well, there one I, that, that I I love more some more than others. <laughs> I I brought a Cabernet here today that uh is is one of my favorites. This is a Cabernet oh, 2011. And uh, it's one of my favorites, but if you Wanted to taste, I brought another Chardonnay, sure, which is another summer wine. And this is going to be, I, I brought this specifically because we're going to be talking about uh, the Ultimed Wine yes, and Food Al Festival and talking about Mexican food. And this happens to be a wine that is a little bit on the, not too sweet, but it's on the sweet side. And specifically, I brought it because when you think about, for instance, a uh, shrimp creole with a lot of Mexican flavors and some chili pepper and that, <clears throat> the sweetness and the crispiness in this wine will cut through those flavors and complement them. So the, you go ahead and taste that. and That, that kind of light buttery color is just gorgeous. Yes, now, thank you. Uh, as you were saying, pairing, when people talk about pairing, again, it's one of those things people get intimidated. It sounds pretentious when it comes to wine. Pairing, I don't know this. But really, it's it's complementing or interacting with the food in some way. If you're eating a high-fat food, you want something to robust to cut through the fat. Correct. But when you're talking about eating spicy foods, Mexican foods, of course, Altamed's East L.A. meets Napa that's going on next Friday, July 28th. Again, put that down on your calendar. Uh, why, why is that date special? Oh, yes. It's your uh, birthday. Yeah. I, there I, you I, go. Oh, I come on, notes. Robert. I took notes. You don't need to say that on the air. Gosh. <laughs> Thank you for remembering. So <laughs> Ultimate's East LA meets Napa, which I've been to. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Now, that website looks like things are sold out, but you might as well check it out uh, on, uh, please uh, Google it and find out on your own to see. It does sell out every year, but it's Friday, July 28th, and it's always a good fun with great, great food. So when you're talking about, combining something or pairing with uh, spicy foods, you want something that's going to not crank up the heat, but balance the heat. That's right. right. It, it has to complement the food. What do you think about that? <clears throat> wow. Like Again, that? very delicate. Yeah. The sweetness, it starts, you, it, you get a nice uh, sharp taste at first. And then it softens out and kind of rolls over the tongue and becomes very soft. I could see where that would be quite soothing and, and a nice finish after you just had something spicy. Right. Uh, it does have just a tiny, tiny bit of... Uh, no, it's sweetness. That's something that I was having earlier. I was going just a tiny bit of pepperiness, but it's not. It's the... It's the drink from earlier. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's the garnish from earlier playing with me a little bit. That is really lovely. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, delicate, but not light on flavor at all. No. 
really, really Great. nice. This is uh, probably our best uh, summer wine, uh, our best seller. Uh, yeah, this would this could be a problem very quickly. I could, I could put a straw in that. <laughs> you can drink that. Yeah, okay. yeah, you could drink that on a, especially on a hot day. That is really, it's just very soft. Thank God uh, our friend Shannon Farron isn't in here. She would throw back that entire bottle right now. There you go. Uh, Gary and Shannon show her Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2. I could help. Yeah, you can help. She likes Chardonnay <laughs> yeah. better. Uh, so, so Amy King's going to come to the rescue. No, this really <laughs> is lovely. Um, but you Great. can't have any because you're doing the news. You're important. For another just, hour. I'm important for another hour only. I'm just a doughy Mexican drinking, so it's okay. You can... You are important. Me, I'm just going to sit here and drink. Mm. That is really nice. Now, um, the the process, uh, a quick primer. Sure. Uh, walk through the process of wine and making wine. Well, I think it mostly starts in the vineyard. And we monitor our grapes throughout the growing season. And just before harvest, which happens around... Uh, first part of September every year, depending on, of course, we've had a drought for the last five years or so. So mm-hmm. that has changed a little bit, but think of it, uh, first week of September, we're harvesting out there, but for the prior two or three weeks to harvest, we are monitoring sugars and pH in the, in the vineyard. And then we pick our grapes exactly where we want them. And most of the time we're picking our grapes between 25 and 26% sugar. And, uh, because we want our grapes to mature and develop that fruitiness in the grapes. So when you, when you taste these wines, you're tasting the natural fruit in the grapes. And one of the reasons is we let our grapes mature. Some wineries, some vineyards may not pick as high in sugar as we do, but that's my personal and yeah, whose freaking name is on that bottle? Yours, <laughs> baby. You can take it anytime you want. No one's going to argue with you. That's really cool. And then, and 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 when you drink from your own bottles, is there just a, a sense of intense pride that comes with that? Oh, absolutely, you? absolutely. Yes, I. You know, there's a lot of pride, absolutely, that goes into these. In fact, uh, if you look at the label on the bottle, it's my paintings are on. That's your also, work? This is my work, yes. Oh, that is gorgeous. Thank you. Good for you. Uh, you a married guy? I am. What a waste. <laughs> why Why have all this? I mean, this is a, this is like a Lady Magnet over here. Painter, oh, well. you got a winery? Oh, she well. must be some lady. She is. She's a very special Good lady. for you. I think I think I love your story. I think it's really Thank neat. You. You're going to be out there pouring at Ultimate uh their East LA Napa, right? Yes, this uh, coming Friday we'll be there. Friday the 28th, I hear. 28th. That's a special day. Your birthday. Oh, you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't bring I that shouldn't. up. What the heck? And where can people find out more about your winery? Yes, uh we have our website reyeswinery.com. We are like I said here in Los Angeles County, we're probably the only uh, Latino-owned winery in Los Angeles County. I'm not aware of any other. And so, yes, we are in the small town of Agua Dulce in Santa Clarita, 45 minutes from Los Angeles. So, There is Reyes a winery. buddy of mine, Little Puppet, who makes some pruno in jail. But that's really, that's, that's not that's the same. Little, yeah, that's no, not, not the same. Not the same. Well, uh, gracias por todo. 
Thank you for coming it's a pleasure. in. This was really delicious. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, my friend. Uh, Robert Reyes uh, with Reyes Winery. It is the Fork Report. I'm Niels Fader, KFI AM640. Probably about two ounces of ratatouille, delicious, and half a scallop, <laughs> and about uh, 720 milliliters of booze. You're taking an Uber home, is that what you're saying? Holy smokes. At Robert Reyes uh, from Reyes Wineries, uh, Winery was here. You can find out more at ReyesWinery.com. Uh, what a lovely man. Just, I, I dug him. He's great. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. What a lovely guy. Now, I love. <laughs> well, Robert, come back. Robert, come back. No, a lovely man. And I love the fact that he's doing what he, you know, what he wants to in life. That is cool. Hey, Mr. Bo Kelly coming up at 6 live from, uh, of course, Comic-Con in San Diego. Mo Kelly. It is a beautiful day out here. The word of the day or the word of the weekend is probably congested. If you are an impatient person or you don't like people bumping up into you, uh, you're going to have a problem out here. There are more people here arguably than ever before. We're talking in the tune in the range of anywhere between 165 to 200,000 people. I'm not exaggerating. There is more going on outside than inside. We're going to get into all of that coming up. Can't wait to tell you about it. Hey, Mo, how are you? I'm good. I'm losing my voice already. <laughs> I love when you're out there. You're such a hummingbird on crack when you're out oh, there. Absolutely. There's so much going on. I've been watching your thing. I say all, every year is make sure if you're not following Mr. Mo Kelly on social media, now's the time to be doing it. Um, you've been shooting lots of video and photographs during this time. You've got great interviews coming up, I'm sure, and uh, you're probably bouncing off the walls. Oh, yeah, I can show you better than I can tell you. So follow me at Mr. Mo Kelly, M-R-M-O-K-E-L-L-Y, on Instagram and Twitter and see for yourself. We're going to give you a word's eye view, but you can look in and see some of these things that we're describing. It is almost literally indescribable, so that's why we're posting photos at Instagram. Do not miss what's coming up. Mr. Mo Kelly coming up at 6 o'clock. Buddy, have a great time. You're in your element, and I look forward to listening to it. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you. This has been, by the way, this is the Fork Report, and this is going to sum up the show, this sound right here. What have you learned about mixing? Um, don't mix booze with news women. No? Th that's probably good, but... KFI Los Angeles.